Hello and welcome back to the West Coast Mix and Bounce. I'm your co-host Leslie Torres along with and I'm Brenna Marks. So yeah, today on our show we will be discussing um, DeMarcus Cousins' return to the NBA, how that went. We're also going to get into the Lakers losing yet another player, Lonzo Ball. But also on the timeline return of Rajon Rondo and LeBron James. And then after that, we'll kind of dig into the Clippers who are doing not so well and how they kind of fall flat. So you'll kind of want to stick around for that. And then, but before we get into all this NBA talk and stuff, Brana, it was NFL Sunday. NFC, AFC championship games. I think oh both our gosh. teams made it, right? <laughs> yes, both our teams made it, which is <laughs> ironic because I did not know that you were a Patriots fan. Considering Learn something new every day. <laughs> I know, that's very interesting, but it's definitely going to be crazy to see kind of both coasts like come and compete against each other. Right, I so. was like, so have you lived in Texas your whole life? No, I'm actually from New York. Um, so, but I'm, we're definitely, New Yorkers are definitely not fans of Boston's. So So how did you become a Rams fan? Um, actually being with Sports Al Dente, I had to do a feature on, uh, Jared Goff. So I had to do a lot of really research on him. And then, um, I think I did kind of like a preview article for their season. So I was kind of stacked up on knowledge. So I was like, you know what, I might as well kind of keep up with it and see where their mm-hmm. season goes and look at look look at where they are now you know they're going to the yep. super bowl <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so i'm super excited and it's kind of like you know i wrote in uh those those first preview articles that they they are a super bowl contending team now did i actually think they were really going to make it all the way no but <laughs> uh, i had hope but wow they they exceeded my expectations <laughs> they did yeah it was i feel like those two games were like the best games I've ever watched and it's funny because that was the first time that both the AFC and the NFC went to um overtime so it was just very nerve-wracking I'm I'm guessing I'm sure I'm sure we were just nervous throughout the whole game (laughs) yeah yeah basically all right well enough about that and we can talk about um DeMarcus Cousins return to the NBA on Friday night when the Warriors were in town to play the LA Clippers so if you want to start us off yeah so uh Boogie returned and you know he's been almost a calendar year out of playing basketball he was with the Pelicans and then he kind of got a spot with the Warriors which was definitely a a big chance that they took kind of taking an injured player and uh waiting for him to come back and seeing if he was even going to come back uh you know, the the way he played before. Now, obviously, after after players get injuries like this, they never really come back the same, but he is definitely have the kind of personality um, to come back from an injury and kill it. And he did. Uh, he came back and he had 14 points, three assists, six rebounds, and he had three three-pointers. And this was in 15 minutes, and he fouled out, which is totally a boogie move. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think all his teammates were exciting to see the fact that he started and he, he blended perfectly in. He said he was going to come back more stubborn than ever, um, and he said that he wasn't going to let this injury, you know, affect his mindset, which with a lot of players that, that happens, sometimes they come back and you see that they, they play scared, you know, 
um, mm-hmm. because they, they don't want to get hurt again. But he said, no, I'm, I'm putting that in the back of my mind and um, I'm going forth as basically a whole new player. So how yeah. did you feel about like seeing him actually come back and put on that kind of performance? Oh, he looked so good. And I give props to the Warriors because they let him take his time to recover to be this good. If you remember back, like it was almost a year ago that he had this injury, right? And so then free agency comes and nobody wants to pick him up because one, they don't know if when he would be able to play either mid-season or more than that. Or if he does come back, how will he be playing? You know, if he's going to be playing at the same level that he was playing with the Kings or the same level that he was playing with the Pelicans. So it was a mystery. Nobody really wanted to take a shot on him. The Warriors did, and it turned out great. He looked so quick out there, strong. And you can tell that Golden State gave him gave him the time to recover. Like, he wasn't pushed into. It was his own timetable. When he was ready, he would come out. And the team was already doing well without him. So just adding mm-hmm. Cousins, it's like, for sure playoff they're gonna do they're going there they're going there yeah I think he referenced it as the death lineup so Mm -hmm. yes so that's I mean they look pretty unstoppable it's actually um it's a little you know scary to watch some something like that they have all these all-stars on the team at once and they're the only team to do it for like you know who I don't even remember how many years but they definitely have the upper hand, and I'm looking forward to see if there's somebody can that can really take them down. Yeah, I honestly, maybe in the East, I, there could be some problems maybe for the Warriors. It could be the Raptors, the Celtics, that can maybe just bring a challenge that will make it that easy. But mm-hmm. honestly, it's, it's looking kind of tough to beat, like you said, that death lineup. It's Curry, Thompson, Iguodala, KD. Um, green and then you add cousins into that it's like it's lethal (laughs) it it is lethal and then um you know the Warriors just played the Lakers last Mm -hmm. night right and Clay Thompson came out and had 44 points and had 10 threes I mean it's like how do you stop that there's always somebody that comes out and has an amazing game then you have you know Durant putting up 20 points and um, Curry, I mean, only had 11, but besides the fact that Thompson had 44, they put up a combined 130 overall, and mm-hmm. that's a that's a lot of points in one game. You know that that means almost every, I believe, yeah, everybody on the team scored at least one point. Yeah, and that's that's, that's the thing about the Warriors. Like if Thompson is getting all the points, then Curry's gonna little take a seat back watch him do his thing, let him get hot, let him let him get his shots in. And if you need Curry, then that's when he starts to shoot. And if that doesn't happen, then Katie comes in. And if that doesn't, you always have somebody that's up next to yeah. fill that offensive need. And so adding Cousins and Cousins having such a great first game back, I think it's just going to make the Warriors unstoppable. It looks like it. I don't know. I yeah. don't know. Which team do you think East or West has the potential to be a problem for the Warriors I mean honestly (laughs) I can't I can't even like think about what team like can honestly take them down because you know they were they were talking about the whole like how the Nuggets were kind of 
um, <laughs> standing in front of them, and then they yeah. they massacred them. You know, like it's just yeah. kind of well, you know, that argument is put to the ground. Um, maybe the Bucks, like you said, the Raptors. You know, they're sitting pretty high up right now in the in the standings. Um, Honestly, if I had to choose anybody, it would probably be the Bucks. And if the Lakers can get healthy again and be 100%, they already have that kind of emotional rivalry with them. I think yeah. if they get the yeah. physical back, then they can, they can definitely challenge them. Now, winning, I'm not sure, but challenging, definitely for sure. The teams have to just get enough players and be kind of good offensively just to be a challenge. And so, and that's just to be a challenge, not to win it, not to be good or any better. It's just to become a challenge. So I think the Warriors are setting a very high bar for this season and they continue to do so every season. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, obviously they're, they're champions and that they, they already have a lot of just kind of weight and uh, swagger about them because they're confident. I mean, how can you not be confident? So it's kind of like you have to come at them always. You have to come at them mentally and physically with them. You know, you ha we really have to zone in on every single player and kind of pick out the weaknesses. And you really have to know the team well, honestly, to know strategically how to beat them because it's, it's definitely a strategic thing. You can't just go mm -hmm. out there and just be like, okay, let's just focus on defense alone. No, you have to like... You have to focus on zoning. You have to focus on player-to-player -player action. You have to focus on, um, you know, fast breaks. You have to focus on every little thing with them um, yeah. through, throughout the year. And then you have to do that for the full game. You can't let up not one time. You know, you can't slip. So um, it's going to be hard for sure for anybody, yeah. any teams. It's going to be hard. Yeah. As soon as Curry takes a seat or Thompson takes a seat, then you get Green or Iguodala. So you still have to consistently continue to play that with all that energy and emotion for four quarters. So it's, I'm, I agree with you. It's going to be tough. It's somebody has to become a challenge or things are going to change next season. You never know who's going to get resigned and who's not, who's leaving or who's coming. But I think that's the kind of another key thing about the Warriors that, they deserve the, their front office deserves credit because they oh, have somehow sure. managed to keep all their like you know star players even, yep. even though things might change this season we'll see but they've been also been able to make amazing additions like DeMarcus Cousins yeah and so, then you have you know a head coach like Steve Kerr, who is so mm -hmm. level-headed. I don't know how he does it, um, but <laughs> <laughs> for the most part, he is super level-headed, and he can he can kind of um, you know just control or lead and guide all of these strong, strong personalities, and like allow them to work together and allow them to mesh in a way where nobody's trying to like overshadow the other. And then, mm -hmm. you know, they don't win because they don't have the chemistry. And it's, it's, it's crazy to see that they have the physicality, the talent, and they have the chemistry. That's super hard to come by, you know, oh, yes. because obviously you have somebody like on the other side, like the Lakers, where you have all this talent and then the chemistry took so long to get together and then you have injuries. So it's just kind of mm -hmm. like watching two sides of almost the same coin, like talent plus chemistry. Like who's going to really be able to make it all mesh together? Yeah, no, you're right. They're definitely an unselfish team and you can see that and you saw that when they played the Lakers 
last night. So after the Warriors were done beating the Clippers, they stayed in LA and then continued to knock down the poor Lakers, <laughs> who are now without yeah. lots of ball. So um, let's talk about that. The Lakers have bad luck. They're out with ball now with the spring. Mm-hmm. But they also have a little bit of luck. They're hopeful that Rondo and James will return soon. Yeah. So do you want to start us off with what we think about what happened with Lonzo Ball? We can start off with what happened with the Rockets. That was a good Yeah. Thing. I think the Lakers, honestly, they are – they're definitely in a bad look uh, sprout right now. <laughs> um, obviously, LeBron and Rondo went out on Christmas Day, um, and they haven't been there for about 13 games, and they're 5-9 and nine without them. Now, honestly, I-, I give them props for going 5-9 and nine because yeah. they really could have lost some tough, some tough games, you know, against the Rockets, against OKC, um, and again, against the Bulls, like the, the Rockets loss was tough, but man, they showed some kind of rigor, um, yeah. in that game. Uh, Kuzma stepped up. He had 32 points. Uh, Lonzo Ball had 11 assists. Um, yeah. uh, JaVel McGee had 14 rebounds. So it's not like the fact that they don't know how to put up numbers because they do. Um, but I think they still need that extra kick from like a vet, like LeBron or Rondo, something to kind of just give them a little, um, just take a little bit of weight off of the younger players' shoulders because they are, they, they're full of just young players and they kind of just need that balance and they don't really have that, like that consistency, that strength, that leadership right now because of all the injuries that um, have been happening. And to see Lonzo go out because he can easily step into a leader, a leadership role, um, seeing him go out uh, is definitely painful. <laughs> Um, no, yeah, definitely hurt. So no, yeah. To go back to your point on Zoe, honestly, the first half the Lakers were doing so great against the Rockets. You were matching up; it was going good. And then the second half came, and that's when everything went like a little bit crazy. Lonzo Ball knocks into Rockets James Ennis, and then rolls his ankle really bad. And then he stayed on the floor, literally had to be carried off by his teammates. And you mm-hmm. see, as soon as that happens the momentum changes and then as soon well and I forgot and then so as soon as he's done rolling his ankle Luke Walton gets ejected and so yeah uh, from that point on the momentum changed I think at that point they had like a 17 or 20 point lead if I remember correctly ball had eight points 11 assists one still in one block all that before one half so you, if he would have kept on going healthy, the Lakers could have gotten that win. But you're right. Kuzma stepped up. I also think um, Zubak, Ivica Zubak, he stepped up heavily. He did really, really good. I was impressed. I've been impressed with his game as of lately. He's he's actually pretty good. <laughs> but, but the Lakers, you know, it's another tough loss because now Lonzo is going to be out four to six weeks. And now you kind of have the you have to pressure Rondo to get ready to be back. Maybe they, if Lon, if Lonzo would have not gotten injured, they kind of given Rondo maybe one or two more games. Now he's pressured to come back, and he might play this Thursday. I think he's clear to play on Thursday for the um, against the Timberwolves. Yeah. So the I think the Lakers like they are just kind of like in a bad luck where they're losing players, they gain more players, but they're still missing that leadership role. And I think Lonzo Ball was kind of getting into it in his past three games. You saw him kind of step up and get ready. 
and for him to go out uh, it just it's frustrating and as a fan I'm frustrated but as a person who likes the NBA in general it's frustrating because I want to see this player get better especially after all the he's a bust you know yeah exactly. I want I want to see it I want to I've been seeing he's he's been more aggressive and still being good on defense and his energy was there his passing ability is crazy and full on display before this injury so I have to remind people that Ball didn't have the opportunity to, to get better this offseason because he was basically rehabbing so you we start he starts off the season when the season's already started he mm -hmm. hasn't had a chance to practice to make himself better and so the Lakers are putting him on the floor in the beginning of the season and kind of leaving him up to figure it out his own to get consistent on his own, to set a rhythm on his own. And that's kind of damaging because Lakers fans and NBA fans are, well, he sucks for the first half. And then finally he gets better. And then, yeah. but you have to realize that he didn't have time as many yeah. other players did. Immature. I feel like I kind of have to defend him a little bit and I feel bad. <laughs> yeah, no, he definitely has improved, you know. <laughs> and it was tough watching last season, like, you know, people really come and judge him. He's young, you know. I think they really put too much pressure on him mm -hmm. from the jump. Um, and it, it, he kind of just deflated under the pressure. But this season is kind of like, okay, the pressure's taken off because we already we already know who he is. But you really don't yeah. because he's only he's 21, you know. Like, he, he has so much time. Um, and he's on the star-studded team. He has to figure out what his role is. And then he has to you know, exceed in that role. Um, and so seeing him go, go out, somebody on the bench is, I mean, their bench needs to step up just, just in general. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, full course. Now you have Codwell Pope, who is kind of like a back and forth, like kind of like putting up points, not putting up points. He needs to become more consistent. You have Michael Beasley on the team. You know, these are big names and they're not always in the, the larger half of the stat rundowns. And they need to be because that's why they were signed, you know, Tyson Chandler, Jamal McGee, um, even Lance Stevenson. He's been very quiet, like surprisingly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, I, I know he's like more of a defensive player, but he can still be aggressive in the backcourt. So he needs to step up too. Um, but like I said, because they don't have that, like that, big leading role on the on the floor right now as far as somebody like Rondo or James kind of giving yes. that motivation um I think that's why everybody's kind of like falling back a little bit um so hopefully when these players come back from their injuries they can figure it out because they need to at, at this point it's just kind of like yeah they have been hurt so much and Obviously, everybody has playoff hopes, and I think the Lakers, the Lakers can still, you know, maintain those uh, those hopes if they can just stay health, get healthy first off, figure it out, and then stay healthy. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, and of course, Rondo coming back is going to help maybe set that leadership role that you were talking about. Maybe bring these guys together and get their chemistry going. I don't know how to explain it. There should be a word for this, you know. <laughs> I mean, I don't yeah. know if the playoffs are in their pictures as clearly as we see with the Warriors. Oh, but for sure, yeah. But if they want to at least try, they need to get it together. And speaking of that, I don't know if you're, if you're ready to go into the Clippers because that kind of leads into, like, the whole Clippers Ooh. idea of playoff hopes. <laughs> I am ready. <laughs> yeah, so the Clippers, you know, at the beginning of the season, they – they were definitely um, 
I think proving a lot of people wrong as far as them needing somebody who's like a big talent to kind of lead them into the mm-hmm. playoff gear. Um, but seeing them struggle within their last six games has definitely been one of those, okay, maybe they're not ready. Maybe they they yeah. really, really do need somebody um, because they went into a five-game losing streak against the toughest teams in the league. And now, obviously, playing these teams back-to-back-to-back is hard, but the fact that they didn't, they didn't win one game um, is, is surprising and disappointing. First, mm-hmm. they had the Nuggets, and they got blown. And it's not even that they're losing. They're also getting blown out, and they're having these players – score um you know 40 points against them it's like okay who who is not doing their job here you know Mm -hmm. who's not playing defense so against the nuggets they got blown out by 21 um against the pistons obviously you had an emotional setback um with the with blake griffin he scored 44 then you have the pelicans um, not a big blowout, 117 and 121, but you had Anthony Davis score 46 points. Um, and then, yeah, the Jazz, they got blew out by 20 again. And then, obviously, they played the Warriors, which they, they didn't really have an upper hand in that situation. <laughs> but um, it's just tough to go into that, too, uh, and, and, and just lose the way they did, 94 to 112, um, which could have been better. But... Uh, how are you feeling about the Clippers? Like, yeah, well, they did have like a tough stretch, like you said. They played the Nuggets, the Pistons, Pelicans, Jazz, and the Warriors. Teams who are in the playoffs, or at least for the Pistons in the playoff push, so they had to come out strong and ready to compete to kind of prove themselves as they have the entire season that they are able to be um, a playoff contending team. But they were not competitive enough. As you said, they just let them get blown out. And a couple of times, you know, you saw them fight, but it just wasn't enough. And then also, well, Lou Williams wasn't, hasn't been playing for the past two games. So that was against the Warriors and the Jazz. And Lou Williams is a key player for the Clippers. And that could have maybe hurt them, but then there's no excuse for the other three teams that they lost to. And it's you mm-hmm. cannot make Tobias Harris take over you can't put that much pressure on him. There's too much to put on him because I feel at this moment now, they're all just relying on him to hand over the win. So honestly, when they won against the Spurs, I was kind of surprised because I didn't think they were going to win. Yeah. Tobias Harris. Yeah. He continued to be the player to keep up the consistency and be the reliable player for the Clippers. He had 27 points, nine rebounds and nine assists both when Williams and Gallinari weren't playing. So all the pressure has fallen on to Harris. And so now if yeah. the Clippers want to compete, they have to kind of be healthy as well, but they have to kind of get a team going that even with injuries, they're still going to be able to keep up. Exactly. Exactly. And even like, um, now understanding playing against somebody like Blake Griffin who has that you know connection to LA that obviously probably took a a little bit of a jab at their at their confidence because you know he came in obviously he wants to win against them because he's still you can tell he still has kind of a letter a little bit of anger left over from that whole situation and I think I think anybody would you know be angry 
Um, he was promised one thing, you know, they said they were basically going to make him a clipper for life. That's where he started his career. That's where, uh-huh. you know, he's five time all-star, you know, rookie of the year in 2010. He did all of this, all of this with the Clippers and for them to just, you know, up and let him go is kind of like, wow. Like, you know, you know, you mm-hmm. feel betrayed. Um, so him going, no, yeah, there, I think at one point, um, Clippers owner Steve Ballmer like came over to try to um greet uh Griffin and he just like completely ignored him and like ran straight into the locker room so you can see that there's still some kind of tension because of all the promises they have made him so I agree with you on that yeah and he he, you know he tried to combat that and said you know that's my warm-up routine whenever I'm done I go straight in and I'm not changing that Mm -hmm. front anybody but I'm sure in the back of his mind he kind of was like come on dude like no, you know, either way, no, <laughs> yeah. like, I'm not about to talk to you, um, mm-hmm. and after, I, I'm, I believe post-game, he was like, you know, he told the media, it's over, you know, I'm moving on, there's really nothing to think about, and he, he, he did say that he was, you know, he appreciated how the fans welcomed him, and the tribute video, and all of that, which is obviously, you know, that has to happen, the fans have to appreciate everything that they've done, that he's done for that team because he really helped bring them out of the trenches and get them to where they are now. Besides the fact that they don't have him anymore. They're still kind of like, they're not the worst team in the NBA, you know, or they're not like at the bottom of the barrel anymore, how how they were before. Um, But yeah, I I really think that game kind of took a a jab at their, at their confidence and their emotion. Cause then they went on to play the Pelicans and, they uh, let Davis score 46 points on them, which is like, <laughs> yeah. Anthony Davis is a great player, yes, but should he be scoring 46 points against you? I I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> um, but, like, I agree had, with you, that goes back to the Clippers' defense. Yeah, it does, and they're struggling with that. They are really struggling with defense. That's their biggest problem. It's been their biggest problem from the jump, and they can't seem to get it together. And besides that... Uh, as far as, you know, who leads the game in, um, or who's, who are their prime scores, they're not, they're not always consistent. And then you have, um, their big guy, Gallinari go down and now he's hurt. Um, and you have, uh, Mashra's Harrell come in and he's been scoring points, but he hasn't, he's not, you know, always the big guy to score the most points. So it's just kind of like, how are they going to balance this lineup? I feel like, uh, Doc Rivers has really been struggling with that. Like, who, mm-hmm. who, who is he looking towards every game to play how they need to to win? They, he, I just don't know if their staff, their coaching staff, has kind of narrowed that down because every time it seems like their stats, their consistency, and who's scoring, who's putting up assists, who's you know do a, um, getting the most threes is always different it's it's never this you know the same prime people yeah like some games it could be Tobias Harris some games will be Lou Williams some games it will be Gallinari but that's that doesn't tell you that like it shows you yeah they had a great game but it also doesn't tell you well maybe because Lou Williams shots weren't going in that's why so and so had to come and step up and then when you lose two guys and you only have Tobias Harris then then who steps up the rest of the night and so I think at one podcast we were talking about how great the Clippers were able to gather these bunch of guys together and set up and win. 
And now mm -hmm. we're kind of seeing that, you know, they still might need to work on it a little bit more. They still need some more players. And like we've talked about this before in free agency, they're going to try to make a push for yeah. all the free agents that are coming. And so now we can see, well, you know what? They do need a push and they need to push hard because they what they have here is good, but it's not enough. Definitely not. Also, the, tra the trade deadline's coming soon. And so the Clippers are tied to some rumors because of what, of how they're suffering with their game it's clear now that they're they need more defensive help and they need a center so now they're looking supposedly according to these rumors allegedly they're looking for centers before the deadline so if they do kind of make a move there will be helping they will be helping the team but will it be enough and exactly. when you're always talking about the west and the warriors <laughs> nothing ever seems like enough <laughs> Yeah, seriously, seriously. But I think the Clippers definitely can, they definitely need to and should grab somebody big because I, I think oh, that yeah. would make them a very big contender um, in the West and in just throughout the NBA. And also what, what's really disappointing, if you look at their stat sheets, all of their players, most of their players in every game have been in negative. And that's, that's not good. That's not good mm -hmm. at all. That means... That that just speaks to their inconsistency, you know. Not not even the the positive negative numbers can keep up with what they're doing every game, you know. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really the biggest thing. And against the Warriors, uh, it doesn't seem like they're sharing the ball as well. At least with the or with the Warriors, they only had eleven assists, eleven assists, which is like oh wow. Yeah, where where is the chemistry in that? And, I, and you never see yeah. them fight. You never see them really or hear about them really fighting or arguing or, you know, doing any of that. But it's like, okay, on the court, why are you not passing the ball? Why are you not um, passing the ball with uh, confidence and a key to shoot? You know, that that's the point. When you make a pass, you're looking for somebody who's open so they can shoot. And the fact that they only had 11 assists, which is devastating. Um, and No, yeah, really you can tell, like, that their ball movement is kind of stagnant. It's not going yeah. anywhere. It's not like the Warriors who had maybe, I don't know how many assists before the half was over, you know, it had a lot. And then just to yeah. have six for the whole game, it's, you can tell the ball was not moving. They were not getting it to each other. It might be because some people were out, so they're not used to it. But like, like you said, if it's, they don't have a player they can rely on and they have a couple and if they show up, great. But if they don't show up, then it's mostly over for the Clippers. So they obviously need help defensively, offensively. And they they make these moves as a center position. Then you can tell that they're willing to help themselves get better. Will it work out? I don't know. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening to uh, West Coast Mix and Bounce. We hope to catch you on the next episode here and see what really happens. We're moving closer to the playoffs. So... Catch you on the next episode of West Coast Mix and Bells. I'm Bronna Marks, and I'm here with Leslie Torres. And we'll catch you later. Thanks. Bye-bye.